Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Fellas, Norm McDonald passed away this week. That's not funny. And, but he was. <laughs> now, Jonathan, were you a big Norm McDonald fan? Um, I mean, with all due respect, is anyone a big Norm McDonald fan? I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anyone just be like, bring up Norm McDonald. You tell he's a smart guy. Uh, obviously, observational kind of comedy stuff. He's he he definitely kind of like a soulful thing. Is a, a very obviously character driven. I just kind of limped him in with Kimmel and a couple other guys. Well, it's like it just never really was kind of on my radar, but more of in a peripheral yeah. kind of role. You don't have a favorite norm moment. Do you have a favorite norm moment? I have yeah. multiple favorite norm moments. Yeah. So norm sure. is the one you spent a lot of time like. I mean, he was Weekend by. Update from '93 to '98, and I watched every Saturday Night Live growing up. So like mm. his relentless OJ jokes every week. His Frank Stallone. My, my brother and I, when he died, my brother and I, one of us texted. Uh, the best-selling uh, doll this Christmas is Tickle Me Elmo, and the worst-selling doll, you guessed it, Tickle Me Frank Stallone. He just had this <laughs> thing where he always made fun of Frank Stallone for some Why? reason. Stallone's brother? He's like a because musician, was, right? Was it his like- brand of comedy was just so strange and hilarious and unique, he, and he almost had like a Christopher Walken cadence to the way he talked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if he like was influenced by him but I always associated the way he talked with Christopher Walken but yeah he, he just I guess you would call the Frank Stallone things what are those non sequiturs is that like <laughs> when like, when we talk about chodes is that a non sequitur uh probably yeah you're not sure it could be a sequitur it could be a, it could be very sequitur there's sequitorial potential <laughs> Neil what are your thoughts on Norm Macdonald I think he was definitely a legend I don't know like Jonathan said I mean I think he's or he was beloved. He is beloved, but I don't. There's not any huge fans. He he wasn't like a. He didn't bring the house down, but he was just in our lives for so many years. I watched plenty of the '90s um, SNL stuff too, and he was kind of the Weekend Update guy, and kind of right when I was watching a lot of it. And I rewatched a whole thing of his OJ jokes today on YouTube, which is amazing because <laughs> he did so many books. He'd be like, um, you know. Doctor Seuss yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Doctor Seuss releasing a new new version, uh, Green Eggs and Ham, and OJ was guilty. <laughs> and then, and then a, a new book by Prince Charles. Of course he did it. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he well. Um, then there's the famous thing like after OJ got acquitted, he came on Weekend Update. He goes, "All right, well now it's official. It's legal to <laughs> commit murder in the state of California." He said that like opening Weekend Update, like right at the week of the acquittal. It's like if Christopher Walken and Stephen Wright had a fucking baby or something, because it's like kind uh-huh. of observational and kind of thoughtful, and he he has a very deliberate cadence. It's very character driven, and I think sometimes the the amount of like character, I almost felt sometimes like a little bit of a crutch. Just I mean talking. Being critical about someone who just died like a fucking total asshole, but you know, fuck it. And so I always felt like he's never stopped you before. I usually wait till they're cold, at least. Um, <laughs> that being said, when he, and when he, at his best, he was great. 
But he always felt like a fucking one of those old James Cagney kind of like, yeah, cop, I'm a fucking, here's a punchline. And then, yeah, 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 get to the yeah, side. No, that's, see, a, that's yeah. a great point. That's a, that, that's a good observation as well, Jonathan. Yes. I, I would recommend. Dirty Work is a very fucking funny movie. It is. And, I mean, my, my favorite all time is his Burt Reynolds on Jeopardy with Will Ferrell. Uh, yeah. I mean, Turd Ferguson. Come on. <laughs> Just chewing the gum with the big cowboy hat on. Uh, I'll, take, I'll take Ape Tit for 800. That's a petite déjeuner. <laughs> Nice, but like, he, but he's just one of those guys who just seemed like he was always around, you know. But he didn't make the impact on me that maybe. I think I think it was mostly like if you weren't super into him on Weekend Update, you probably. I'm like his stand up is very funny. I like all his specials. I, you know, whenever he was on a late night show, he was always very funny. He had a show on Netflix that was just off the rails. So if you yeah. had to rank Jimmy Kimmel, Norm Macdonald, and Adam Carolla, in terms of who you like. Adam Carolla. Of who's given me more laughs in my life? Yeah, who do you prefer? Of the, like, Norm, Norm McDonald, probably Kimmel, and then Corolla. I, hold on one sec. I think Kevin's making a drink. <laughs> I, I think I like Kimmel the most, and then Norm. And I'm not. Corolla's an interesting guy. I think I haven't like he's he's fun. he's hilarious. Yeah, but I love me some Corolla. I've listened to more Corolla than I have Norm. I think Norm has a higher ceiling. And Kim, Kimmel's just great. He's a great kind of, I mean, he's good at his show. He's good at hosting the Oscars. Like, he's just an all-around talented. Yeah. Kimmel's like dude. a modern-day Bob Hope, you know. Yeah. I think Carollo just, like, maybe politically we don't see things exactly the same sometimes, so that irks me. The Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. He was a great comedian, and, and like we said about Charlie Watts a few, few weeks ago, his, his comedy lives on. You can watch him on YouTube anytime you want. You know what else you can find on YouTube? What? J.J. Kale music. I, don't, I really don't think there's any J.J. Kale on YouTube, truthfully. Oh, there's you don't plenty. think so? He's more of a TikTok kind of guy, I think. He's more, he's more of a TikTok? Uh, I think so. Snapchat? Uh, <laughs> was. Was more of a TikTok and Snapchat More of a Tinder kind of guy, really, I think. <laughs> TikTok and Snapchatter? Why don't we talk about your favorite cover of a J.J. Kale song, Jonathan? Since this is a J.J. Kale kind of week. Um... Probably call me the breeze, I would say, but just I love the guitar riff and it sounds so. It sounds like a song they may very well have written, right? It's not. It's just, it's trying yeah. to hit its blues tune, but they, you can tell they they mean it. it the song really uh, resonates with them. I absolutely it. thought it was their song until. I Why found would out you think otherwise, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, Neil, what's give me a your favorite, JJ Kale. Hands down, John Mayer, Magnolia. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It's actually not bad. He sounds exactly like JJ. It's pretty good. But um, um, I definitely agree with you guys. I mean, Call Me the Breeze is the best. It does sound like a Skinner tune, and they they crush it. And Clapton stuff is great. I love what he did with it. I love how he made those songs famous, but I don't think he did better than JJ Kale by any means. Ooh. Well, I would say uh, Call Me the Breeze, I agree, is, is probably the best. Uh, I mean, unless you're going with Widespread Panics, Ride Me High. You know, live live cut. I don't. Uh, that's actually it's not a bad cover. I kind of. I mean, I kind of forget that it's theirs. They, I think with JJ well, Kale, it's tough because if you once he's not playing the song, it's still cool. But he makes his songs especially cool. Well, he gives them that JJ right. Kale vibe yeah. that you need. I mean, I like Beck does a version of Magnolia that is mm. is very good. I mean, it's just a live version. I have heard that. That's good. Yeah. I feel like um, Clapton's cocaine was a little too meta. Actually, no, I do like the, actually the fucking drums in that are, are so. It's, it's cool. such a tight I mean, song. It's been it's a classic rock staple for 
40 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's just kind of like too on the nose, on the nose. <laughs> what do you mean on the nose? <laughs> the drummer's so tight and so precise and actually pretty sophisticated that like, unless your drummer does that, you just sound like you're in high school playing two chords. Talking about drugs you've never done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should also point out uh, the travel on light by Widespread Panic as well. Yeah, point, point it out. <laughs> put it, and Neil's like, love it. What do you mean? Why, why did you point that out again? It was well, a different I, I said song. ride me high earlier. Oh, you said, oh. Even when you talk about Panic, it all sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> Even just talking about them, right? <laughs> and on that note, uh, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And we are talking about J.J. Kale, of course, because this week we are talking about J.J. Kale's After Midnight from J.J. Kale's 1972 album, Naturally, written by J.J. Kale and produced by Audie Ashworth. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. I... Obviously, first heard this song, the Clapton version, I think, as as most people, because it was a staple on classic rock radio when I was a kid. And I, I didn't even know who J.J. Kale was until, honestly, through like Widespread Panic, used to cover a couple of his songs. I had no idea he wrote this one until I was in college. I worked as a bouncer at a rock club, and this one sound guy, when he was setting up for the shows that he worked, would always just play J.J. Kale. And I heard this one night, and I was just like, that's a great version of After Midnight. And I think when I looked into it, I was like, oh, shit. This is this that's is the guy the who wrote version. the song. <laughs> right. And it, it's just such a different vibe than Clapton's. I mean, it's so chill and laid back in a place that I want to be. It's sensual. It's fun. It's not like that kind of sex orgy vibe of, of Clapton's, you know, version. Sex <laughs> so, orgy. Jesus. Whereas like, whereas like, Cla- well, like, like Clapton's <laughs> are like wild and it's, it's kind of a sing along where like a bunch of people are involved having fun. Like, you know, this I love how sing along people having fun. You're like sex orgy. Sex orgy. Well, it's also the music too, but like, like Southern Baptist raisin. Right <laughs> what other kind of orgy is there? <laughs> There's dancing going on in that one. There are blood orgies. <laughs> Is that? Yes, there are blood orgies. Thank you, Jonathan. Blood orgies. Um, the, <laughs> the, but, you know, Clapton's is you know wild and a sing-along, and, and this one is more like an experience. It, it captures the mood of, like, anticipation and, like, knowing you might score that night with somebody you've been, like, waiting on. That's kind of how I, I, I feel like his, his version is. Well, the rhythm is very unique in the Clapton version, which is based on an earlier version of the song that I literally hadn't heard until today. But even the rhythm in this song, it's so combining a few different genres of music, which he does so well in a lot of stuff. And the production sounds so understated and perfect for the, for setting the mood here. I, I, I love this song. Yeah, I love it too. It's just such a classic, timeless, fun song. You mentioned sex orgy, but I've always thought about it as such a respectable anthem of the night. You know what I mean? It's like, it can apply to like, if you're hanging out, it doesn't have to be like so um, dark. You know what I mean? It's almost, it's it. he makes After Midnight funny. Like it, it's a fun party song. And just as far as this song is concerned, it's such a quintessential guitar song. It's been a big part of my life. I've played it hundreds of times with almost every band every person I've ever played with because it's always so fun to play. It's almost a must know if you're going to be a guitar player in any jam situation. It's so great to play. 
And I'm just, I'm happy when it comes on. I'm happy when a band covers it. I'm happy if it comes on the radio, if someone puts it on. I've never heard this song and been like, mm, why is this playing? <laughs> it's Peaches and Cream. And you don't need to search about what this song's about. We all know what it's all about. <laughs> what is it about? Letting yeah. it all hang out. <laughs> I mean, just going with, you know, obviously the J.J. Kale, you know, original version first. The thing that's really, the only thing that's truly exceptional about it is that it creates such a vibe. And that's exceptional in and of itself. I mean, it's not, it's a blues, basically. I mean, it's just real straight ahead. There's no, the lyrics are cool, but they're not, you know, Dylan-esque. They're not poetry. And so the thing, though, it's a lot like Bill Murray's comedy, where it's just the pacing, or like Stanley Kubrick films, where it's just the total vibe is the, is the draw. The Clapton version, it sounds like, we're going to fuck a party. Like, it's almost like, yeah. After Midnight in the City versus J.J. Kale's more like After Midnight in the Country. And I think he's from mm -hmm. Texas, right? Mm -hmm. It's great. No, he's from Oklahoma. Oh, there you go. But it just has that kicked back, laid back. One feels like a depressant, one feels like a stimulant. But they, it shows how a good song or, or a song with a relatable sentiment applies. It works regardless of what you do to it. Yeah. We're talking about Clapton and J.J. Like, I may have heard the Clapton first, but I'm most familiar with the J.J. version and kind of the dead. Like, I've just heard so many bands play this song that it doesn't even belong to J.J. anymore. It's, it's almost become more of just a traditional, a, a classical song. You know yeah, I mean? like Knocking on Heaven's Door or something. It's just kind yes, of like a... Yes. It's a, here's your birth certificate, here's Knocking on Heaven's Door and After Midnight. <laughs> well, yeah, and like I said, you should hand people a guitar and be like, here are the chords to After Midnight. Have fun. Start there. <laughs> so I'm curious, with the covers you hear or the covers you've played, have you slanted up-tempo or more down-tempo? Well, that's the best part about this song is you can go funk, you can go laid back, or you can go, we just got a bunch of drugs, let's go hang out at my place, Clapton style. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, I definitely like for folks to be very careful with the funk. That, that can... But, but that's, a, that's a slippery. But that being yes, said, yes, totally. But let's I guess clarify, white folks to be careful with the funk. Well, exactly. Unless <laughs> unless you're Jerry and Merle, because they can do it. Right. No, I just love it. I'm like fast or slow. You're like mid. You're like <laughs> funk. Right in the middle. Mid funk. <laughs> I'm like up tempo, down tempo, mid tempo. <laughs> Neil sitting on a cajon after midnight. Oh, what's sure. up, with Neil? See, I think the the lyric is so effective. In, in one way, just the how he takes the vibe combined with the after midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. It, there's some ambiguity there because it can be we're going to have sex or we're going to party, right? What's the difference? Well, fair. That's fair. <laughs> but my favorite part of his version of the song is, is the vocal because it's so understated. Mm -hmm. But you can also, it sounds anticipatory. Like he's anticipating something. That's going to happen after midnight. I take yeah. it to mean sex. But, like, you can hear the excitement in certain points. Can't believe this is going to happen. But there's also confidence. Like, you say this all the time, Jonathan. You know who this guy is just by his vocal. Like, he's so confident to, to be like, I'm going to sit back in my chair and fucking play this and tell you, like, I can't wait for after midnight because we're going to fucking do this. After midnight, it's going to be peaches and cream. We're gonna call this one's a, but he tells you what is going to happen in the song. 
it's all going to happen. Like, it's the possibility of everything. Yeah. It's yeah. not even about this or that. Yes. Or it's 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 we're going to let it's it all, about. all hang out. Like it's the anticipation of the night. Yes. It's whatever's going to yes. happen. We're going to do it all. Like we're just going to fucking do it. Kind of what I was saying. It can be taken anyway. It can be complete sex or i could even see like a bunch of geeks going to play dungeons and dragons in this song coming out like we're gonna we're gonna let it all hang out man like because he's not he's not going too far into you know he's being being very ambiguous about and what's that, going on that's that's the version where the white folks aren't watching the funk that's so um, sad but <laughs> I, yeah maybe that's fine that's what it's all about letting your crack um, hang out <laughs> but jonathan i i think the lyrics are pretty timeless and i think even Dylan would um, appreciate these lyrics. And I could see this even being a Dylan kind of song because he has some kind of like rollicking kind of party songs, you know, where just the way he's using peaches and cream and just after midnight, you don't even need to do much after that, but he does a lot. Yeah, you could see this on Nashville Skyline. Maybe more Crazy Mama, but this this as well. I totally agree. I mean, it's like tonight I'll be staying here with you or something, right? It's that kind of yeah. vibe. Um, but the thing is, the, the brevity of words is where it distinguishes itself from uh, Dylan. Dylan uses well, lots of words. This is pretty. Yeah, well, I think that makes it even more powerful. I'm not debating how good it is. I'm saying the way I don't compare it to Dylan because it's so much more succinct. It's almost like Mark Knopfler or that kind of thing, but, which but again, understated. We mentioned Knocking on Heaven's Door. That's also a very succinct Dylan song. Not, like Dylan can do this But as it's well. not as succinct as this. You know, he's like... Mama, take this bash from me. I can't take it any. And even the, the, the even the whole subject matter is grandiose. Like I'm just saying, this is a very compact in a bar. Even Dylan's, even his Dylan songs like that are still like Dylan. They're so clever and they're so. This is just very honky tonk, juke jointy kind of. Dr- yeah, it's, it's definitely not very a singer songwriter. Much more straightforward and John Priney almost like John Prine. I would say Priney probably Prine came after him, so I would say, but yeah, that's a good. But it's of that ilk, yeah. Just that tagline after midnight, we're gonna let it all hang out. That alone, it's cool, timeless. Yeah, it's it's very cool, but I think it's especially cool how he says it. Like like De Niro, you talking to me? It's it's a cool line, but like De Niro makes it fucking the line. Absolutely. Like, so are you a fan of his vocal? Like his kind of oh yeah, I mean it's fantastic. It's you know understated. Yeah, kind of an easy range to sing in. And like, he's just totally being himself. It just sounds like you can just see him sitting there. Even he might just be sitting there by himself with cut off shorts on, smoking a fucking cigarette by himself, being like, "Man, I'm getting wild. I'll fuck it." It sounds like he just recorded this like in his living room. Right. You know, but even the guy like, in the song, you know, he could well, just be sitting there being drinking. I'm going to drink this whole six-pack tonight. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Well, I, after midnight, I think he did this version because he did the original 66 that the Clapton version finally makes sense after listening right? to the six. Because it's it's that's exactly how it was played. I mean, Clapton <laughs> just redid it. And I almost think this version on Naturally was J.J. being like, oh, yeah? You going to do my song? Check this shit out. So basically... He released this song in 66 with his band, the Leather, Leather Coated Minds, <laughs> on, Leather, their on, first, on, on their first and only album, Take a Trip Down the Sunset Street. And that was with Leon Russell? Um, no. Leon I Russell think, just knew him, knew I of think, his stuff. I thought that original version was him and Leon Russell. No. It, no? It's, it's that band and... Leon Russell basically there, there's a bunch of stories of how Clapton heard it but one is that Leon Russell played it for him and anyway the the original like again I had never heard it I thought 
the slower version had come out before and Clapton kind of took that and did his own thing with it. But yeah, that original version is just that same rhythm Yeah, and so Clapton did that in 70 on his first self-titled debut album. It became a hit. Kale didn't even know he had recorded it. Heard it on the radio. He was broke. Heard it playing oh on his God. car stereo and was just wow. like, sweet. sweet. I can use the money. <laughs> I mean, he was in his 30s. So then he, he recorded, he, he was kind of done playing music. And so in 72, he re- decided to record something. And when somebody told him, they said, you should put After Midnight on there because that's what people know you. And he was like, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to do it differently then. And then mm-hmm. he did this, this kind of more laid back version to take this song like the the energy this song has and kind of damp it down a little bit it's such yeah. a and and we'll just go back on you know multiple episodes we mentioned you know the 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 path and on all the things that have to break right for certain songs to to become part of the culture and you know this was did nothing and then four years later a very famous rock musician heard it and decided to cover it and became a hit After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang down. As, as far as a, a, a fun song to play, I think it was Clapton that took it to that level. Like, without Clapton okay. doing that and then JJ re recording it, it would have never been what it is without, without Absolutely that. Absolutely not. It was, it was lost to history but because the original does not sound that good. I mean, it has that rhythm part, which is pretty unique. No, it's it's but- fun, it's, it's very cool to hear it now. But yes, it's not. But as the good vocal as... is terrible on that yeah. one. And, and you know, just getting into the music a little bit. One of the really cool things about this version of the song, it's very similar to Into the Mystic in that when it starts, it sounds like you're joining him already playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it kind of fades out like like he's still playing. So it's it's another one of those Into the Mystic, Wider Shade of Pale. You mm-hmm. can keep this own repeat tunes. Yeah, and it's one of those chord progressions that are just that are. I think that's one of the reasons this song's so good. What is it, Johnny? It's like a one flat five or it's like a flat like, third. Yeah, one flat third. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just it's always so fun to play. Anytime you inject that into any song, it's like oh, here we go, here we go. If you think about it, it it almost sounds like. Merle Haggard song and it's interesting because his family was originally from Oklahoma and he moved to California with after the Dust Bowl and this guy is also from Oklahoma and all those fucking Tulsa time and all those Clapton tunes that came about in the 70s they were all based on those Oklahoma musicians yeah it's literally Mm -hmm. country Mm -hmm. rock yes yeah, yeah, but yeah, you said this is straight blues, but it, he just injects country into all of his. Well, blues songs. doesn't determine genre. I just mean the form, the chord progression. Like, I love how the song starts off. It's basically bass and piano, heavy. That like, bass line is so is just like carrying you to his voice. It's as lazy as his voice. Mm-hmm. This version, it's so great that the piano is so pronounce because yeah. it, it's becomes such a guitar centric song but just that bump 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 it's like the piano is so heavy in that song i don't it's, is there a guitar going on during the verses or does it there just come is. in no there there's a little bit it's just 
it's back in the mix. It sounds like that that really nice, simple, quick solo that he does, that which sounds so good, because of the the tone that he gets on his guitar solos is one of my favorite tones. Yeah, any, I don't any, know how he does guitar it. Guitar player, I really don't. But that seems to come out of nowhere. But it fits so perfectly in the song. Like it hasn't been there, and then it's just there, and it's just like, oh yeah, that should. Well, his, of course that's he here. plays the way he sings. It's a very phrasy. It just yeah, it yeah. puts it out it's there. Very vocal, but it's almost like uh, Junior Kimbro kind of mm. stuff. Like it's that kind of hill that, Mississippi stuff. It's almost like a you, it just sits in one spot and just kind of says its thing, and it little changes here and there. But it's economy. It's economical. It doesn't move fast or do a whole lot. But it's fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, I don't know how he gets it. It almost sounds like he's playing on a resonator or something like a small guitar with like high action. It's almost like a natural reverb he's getting on, like and because it's so loud and sensitive too. You know what I mean? You can hear every little kind of you know nuance of the way he's playing. Every nook and cranny. Yeah. <laughs> every crook and nanny. Clapton even said about the original way this was played, he was just like, I still don't think I got it right. He was like, I was so enamored with the guitar, with the rhythm he played on the, on the, the leather wood or whatever, that I just didn't know how he was doing it. So I got just became fascinated with the song because I was like, I, we got to do this song because I got to learn how how to do this guitar part. And for for him to change it up and still make it so fucking yeah. good. And I think the rhythm that Clapton plays on his version is the shining moment. Because the the solo isn't anything to write home about, but just the way his strat sounds on. It's a lot. I think it's cool. It's definitely it's real busy. Well, the cool thing about it is it's busy and still somehow works. You know what I mean? Because it's album tough was to on? be that busy. It's um, on his first solo album, Eric Clapton. Of course, no. It's just called Eric Clapton. He did two two Kale songs on it. The other one was uh, "I'll Make Love to You Any Time," um, but like this song, I think Jonathan, you mentioned this recently about you know what would oh the R.E.S.P. Wagon song. You were like, this would have been great in that song scene in Boogie Nights. I mean, the the thing about the Clapton version is I can just picture either walking into a crazy party after midnight and this just coming and his version coming on and just being like, let's fucking do this, or like a movie like Boogie Nights. It's just that vibe, mm-hmm. like sex. 70s drugs all of that stuff kind of in one package in the Clapton version whereas like you said Jonathan is the J.J. Kale version is more like either you know going over to some girl's house and fucking with a 12 pack and a, bo- or a bottle of wine and having some cigs and being like alright what now, I mean, night but I also think it sounds kind of like J.J. like we're gonna go play some poker and fucking hang out you know like it doesn't have to be sex necessarily like you can hang out with some buddies after midnight. Let it all hang out. I'm never yeah. gonna let it hang out before or after midnight. Jonathan, around enough. You guys. Jesus. Unbeknownst to the unbeknownst to the folks, it's hanging out before already. or after. Never gonna do okay. it. Everything <laughs> that could be taken one percent sexual, Johnny's like, no. Are you I'm the out. guys are talking about it's about sex. I, you, I've yet to. I, I don't even think it's inherently sexual. I was just saying it wasn't. Only at the strike of midnight would Jonathan let it hang out. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool about the JJ Kale version, though, is it's like. There's such a, like, contentment. Like, his vibe doesn't seem contingent on, like, what's going on. Like, it's just yeah, like yeah. he could be sitting there by himself being like, I'm just yes. a cool motherfucker. I think he could be hanging out alone. By himself. Just being like. <laughs> With a bottle of whiskey. 
He's going to find out what it's all about. Right. Like, I'm just the coolest <laughs> motherfucker I, I can think of right now. Certainly. Certainly <laughs> in the in the, this version, yeah. Uh, but there's two things about the KO version that I think musically kind of give it that we're going somewhere. Is that bass line is almost like carrying you into a party or into, like, whatever you're fucking doing. And then those little percussive hits that come in. I think right after he says the first tambourine, we gonna shake your tambourine. And then there's just these little, like, or you're like, where did those? It's kind of like the guitar. It's like, where did those come from? But they're perfect. The percussion and, and, on this song is crazy. Because, yeah. The, yeah, there's a bunch of little crazy stuff going on, and the rest of it sounds like someone beating on a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it really yeah. just, someone's just kick hitting a kick drum, but it it's sounds such a, like a couple people are in his basement just, like, <laughs> just like vibing just after just midnight. Like, yeah, yeah. Cool. Right, but it's the power of vibe that's the whole point of the song it's really the thing that makes it so spectacular is he's not doing anything that pretty much anyone can't do but yet again no one can do that it's not some vocal no one can sing or some guitar part no one can play it's like anyone can play this but no one can play this if we're looking at it as if it's sex like what is the tambourine that's why no, sex is, that is a terrible that, that's the worst what? question i've ever heard <laughs> if it's we're looking at like it's sex what is the tambourine if he's anticipating sex and we're, we're going to shake your tambourine, what is your tambourine, Jonathan, in that scenario? I don't feel comfortable answering this question. I'm going to plead the fifth. I'm going to plead <laughs> the fifth. You plead the fifth? I'm taking Are the you fifth. Play, oh, one, two, three, four, fifth. Exactly. Neil, <laughs> Neil, do you have an answer? It's it's titties or balls. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go hand, you pervert. Uh, <laughs> you going to shake your hand? <laughs> We're gonna shake your hand. Good to meet you. 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 We're gonna shake your butt cheeks. <laughs> anyway, the we should mention that the producer that he produces as well, and on the Clapton version, it's Delaney Bramlett, uh, which has always just struck me as such a strange name. Sounds like a name out of a, a, a book or something. That you wouldn't really expect to be a name, but Ooh, we're getting into the reading hour. Is that after midnight or is that like ten before bed? That's before bed. I don't read very read well at any time. Book. See, this is a song you couldn't change the words. Before mid, before bedtime. <laughs> before bed. We're gonna read a book. Read <laughs> you a couldn't book. change the lyrics clearly. <laughs> before midnight. Do you guys have a favorite part of this song? The vocal is my favorite part of the song, of his version. The guitar is my favorite in Clapton's. Do you, yeah. do you consider I'll, this a smoky vocal? It's borderline smoky. Yeah, it's definitely smoky. It, it's foggy. I'm going to go it's a foggy, a foggy vocal. foggy vocal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll you know agree with you. I, th- I think the best part is how much you can hear in the vocal. Like at, when he's doing all those little like, hmm, question mark. After yeah. mi- <laughs> hmm. The anticipation, the excitement, the confidence it's all right there in the vocal like that is the vibe yeah and kind of in in some parts his voice is almost cracking a little bit you know that's it's just, the excitement kind of yeah. coming in through the anticipation tambourine hmm. gonna be and he gets he gets like happy at the gonna peaches be gonna peach. be peaches and cream. cream that's when he does the <laughs> hmm. yeah it's great jonathan favorite part it's not exactly a part i would say my favorite aspect is the thing that makes it all work is the tempo and especially the timing of just the snare because when is that boom, pop, boom, boom, pop, boom, pop. like it's so like you gotta be a fucking idiot to mess that up like you can just sit there and let the drummer just it's so fucking grooving what's the snare hitting on on the, the two and the four 
That's your, okay. your classic backbeat that makes you want to tap your foot, nod your head, one, two, three, four. And that snare is just, the timing is so rock solid that if that's right, it's like the chassis of a you know car or something. Like If that's right, like it, everything's going to work. I you were talking about a chassis belt. No, no, no. The chassis belt of the car. But it, it, it's just so right. It's such a solid foundation to build it on that then you just got to get there and tell the story and take credit for it. And tell the story he does. And speaking of stories. Can I get the time? Five time at the dome. Uh, it is <laughs> at the dome. The time is. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, Johnny from way downtown. Uh, Jonathan, when when do you want to hear the song? I want to hear. Is this just too easy? <laughs> Should we all say it on three? One, <laughs> two, three. three. Bachelor party after, after midnight. midnight. Oh, I thought this is a bachelor party. <laughs> Before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear the fast version when I'm walking into a bar at like midnight. I want to hear the slow version at like three forty-five a.m. <laughs> hanging out when you when you're when you're smoking a bowl to come down. Just just like a Jesus. hanging out. Neil, when do you want to hear it? Um, I want to hear it when I'm playing it in a band and crushing it. I've heard every version so many times, and I, it really is just so fun to play. Yeah. Obviously, this song can go very wrong. If, <laughs> if you're in a band and you're playing this and you can't find a way to make this sound good and please the crowd, then you're doing something very wrong. It's a drummer. But, but when you're playing this and you're having a good time, it, it works out. And to go along with you, Jonathan, I mean, anytime up late night when you're raising hell, it's going to be a good song. You know. Well, it's funny. We never played this song in in For the Kings. No, I think it's it's almost too standard. It, it's kind of one of those songs where like you almost got to circle back to it. You can't you can't come out of nah. the gates being like we're gonna do After Midnight. Like if we were still playing, maybe we'd we'd. You can do that like in, in high maybe school. Maybe on the For the Kings comeback tour. <laughs> you can, can you can do that in high school. You can do that at the Hollywood Bowl. You cannot do it anywhere except in the middle of those two. You can't do it at the basement tavern. No, nah, you don't want to do it at a bar. Sassafras. No, nah, nah, you don't do it at a bar. <laughs> uh, I agree. I mean, yeah, after midnight, of course. Also, it's a good grill. Like any any song of his is a good grill song. Like just the vibe he creates is is just great for grilling. Well, the, the album, yes. <laughs> Yeah, if you're putting some steaks on the grill, go ahead and get out the naturally CD. Slip that in the disc player. (laughs) Right. And then dinner with a lady. After midnight, we're going to let it all hang out. It's like a subtle, like, subliminal messaging. You just put on this version of After Midnight. But you're talking about grilling. You mean you're going to let your belly hang out is what you mean. Yeah, but it's just like you're just going to zip your zipper and just like. (laughs) Speaking of grilling, let's let's jump under the influence and talk about. (laughs) What uh, influenced this song? What it influenced afterwards? What you'd recommend listening to? Neil, let's get us started. It reminds me of Taj Mahal, uh, Ben Harper. More recently, the Texas Gentleman, um, that kind of session band from Texas. It kind of reminds me a lot of that kind of stuff. They're a little jammy. They are, but but they still have such a laid back vibe. Um, it yeah. like it sounds yes, it sounds like JJ Kale with more of a. 21st century kind of rockin' jammy kind of band, but they they still have that laid back quality. There's some new blues that has gotten inspiration from this, like Ry Cooter, Keb Mo, all those guys. Although I don't, and Ry Cooter would probably be like new. Uh, <laughs> we'll be like what well, for the blues? Yes, <laughs> new. Well, you know, Ry Cooter's been around since the 70s. Yeah. Uh, that's funny you say because a lot of his covers are extremely jammed out by the bands who cover them. So yes. that, that's it's it's funny. 
because he's not really jammy at all. Um, Jonathan, what you got? I feel like there's definitely a almost like a, a, a Delta Blues vibe in the fact that the way it just kind of sits and moves very like where the rhythm is the focus and the narrative is the focus and, and you're just creating that vibe almost like, you know, the way Muddy Waters do like, you know, Rolling Stone, like I wish it was a catfish. Kind of, you just kind of sit there and tell the story. Um, like I said, I hear a little more Haggard in the vocal, John Prine's writing, John Prine's writing style, a little bit of Mark Knopfler in the delivery and the guitar playing. And, um, it almost sounds like I mean, I've I've never done fucking heroin or anything like that, but it just has that druggy like yeah. fucking nod off almost kind of feel to it. Yeah. So I guess yeah. depressants. He's like the the Tulsa underground. <laughs> um, the I would say the only thing we we kind of covered everything, but I would say that Skinner because they covered you know Call Me the Breeze like I think mm-hmm. Widespread Panic because mm-hmm. they covered a bunch of his songs Traveling Light. Uh, ride me high. I would just say, listen to J. If you don't know JJ Kale, listen to fucking JJ Kale. Magnolia. Uh, don't just this go to album. Strangers. Naturally, just yeah. get naturally. Yeah, cocaine. Uh, sensitive kind. Just great fucking songs. And crazy all have mama. This. Crazy yeah. mama. And speaking of crazy mamas, I think it's time <laughs> we slide under the covers. Let's do it. I'm ready. Uh, Jonathan, how many covers did you listen to? Uh, well, you know, I mean, obviously, I know the Clapton version. Um, now, there's, let's be clear: there are two Clapton versions. There's the regular um, one from the '70s, the boom, 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 boom. But then there's an '80s one, like probably '87. Oh, no, no, it's slow. Oh, it's got a little, little, this little concave. So there's a little cheese involved with it, but it's kind of cool. It's it, it's slow. It's more like this version, but Clapton doing it. There's this terrible '80s fucking Asian flute sound as we had discussed before. I just talked about a couple, I think, on the Tears for Fears that I don't like that sound. Oh God. It dates it. Is it on 24 Nights? No, it's. I think it was a, just a studio I release. Just, I don't ever want it to hit my ears. But it's really not it's, bad. It's it, on Crossroads. It's on the Crossroads. In the set. Yeah, it was on a, it was on a mm-hmm. beer, it was on a Michelob Light commercial, I yes. believe it was. Michelob Light. I still Made do JJ have... Made a lot of money, that Michelob Light commercial. I bet it did. I still do have the crossroads box set on cd that's awesome in case y'all want to borrow it and burn I, it I, no, I'll, I'll <laughs> borrow, borrow burn. a good old I'll we'll have a right good old now. borrow and burn josh did you just get a new cd burner <laughs> oh you mean like burn, like, like just, you remember burning cds jonathan but like not, it's it sounded like not, it was so we're not setting them on fire right? i mean some people are like just getting rid of their stuff <laughs> neil what uh what covers did you listen to <clears throat> well, I listened to the one we listened to, which is a cover of his own song. I think they're, yes. they're basically all covers at this point. And it was good to finally understand Clapton's version, because I always was like, what did you do to this song? And then I heard the original. I'm like, oh, okay. You just, He's you like, play, sex, you just played orgy, it. Sex, orgy. <laughs> sex, I think you're the one saying sex orgy. <laughs> I'm like, Josh, what do you think Keep It Loving News about? You're like, sex orgy. I'm like, Josh, what do you think After Midnight's about? Sex orgy. Shout, sex orgy. And I, I do love We how- are under the covers. So this is JJ covering his own song because this song demands kind of energy and just that that sex orgy energy. You got to get that out of your system. He had to get that out of his system to be able to do this laid back version. Um, yeah. And I must say my favorite really is um, Jerry and Merle. There's this uh, album called Fire Up where Jerry is just on top of his he game. Sounds it's so like good, 70, yeah. like late 70s. And he's like the whole song. He's singing it great, and 
really working the guitar, like playing a bunch of like false harmonics and really like pinching the strings and just like just it's so funky, man. I mean, it's it's it's, it's so jammy and in the and I, I I thought that too. I was like, it's so funky, but in that like right in the right oh, in the just zone. just right in that wheelhouse of like this is great white funk, like <laughs> yeah yeah. This is, um, this is Jerry. Just this ain't Tiger Shark it. funk. And, but, um, but the Jerry and Merle version is way better than the Jerry Garcia band version. Yes, yes, yes. Just listen to Fire Up, Jerry and Merle. One last thing. I watched a video of J.J. playing it with Clapton and Derek Trucks in San Diego in 2007. So J.J. was already late 60s. And it was good. Like uh, J.J. and Clapton sang it together. But I felt like <laughs> J.J. looked pissed off the whole time. He's just like... Clapton, stop singing so loud. This is my fucking song. Um, like, he just uh, I don't know if that's just his demeanor, but he just looked pissed off. He kind of has a resting, like, Piss. Yeah. Uh, d- so, ditch face. Dick yeah. face. Derek, Derek takes the first solo, plays a nice slide solo. But I was, I was amazed that J.J. came in and just totally, f- I mean, he showed them both up. Like, he played, oh, an, really? played an amazing little solo. And just just his demeanor the whole time, like fuck y'all, this is my song. I I, I doubt that's what he was thinking. Confidence, but. baby, confidence. <laughs> I think Neil just pissed off the whole time. But, playing but then, shows around. So so it, the solos go. Derek, great great slide solo. JJ kind of shows him up because he's an old man. I still got it. And then Clapton just mails in, just completely mails in a solo. <laughs> it's like a Clapton. It's okay. fine. Clapton mailing it in is better than most, but like as a big Clapton fan, I'm like, oh my god, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> well, all of those I heard, and then there's one that uh, Clapton and Winwood from Madison Square Garden. I listened oh, nice. to that was pretty. It was very high energy. Winwood sounds awesome, amazing on there. Uh, it's it's a very good version, I would say. Clapton Clapton doesn't necessarily mail it in, but I think Win, Winwood is kind of the standout. And then there's the song was actually released by a Scottish singer named Maggie Bell in '74, and it cracked a chart. It, but it's like <laughs> it cracked almost a chart. has a it almost has <laughs> cracked that chart. Uh, it almost has like a salsa feel to it with like blues guitar licks. It's it's hmm. not great. Hmm. I would not recommend <laughs> it. But speaking of recommendations, Jonathan, how does the shoe fit? Mm. Oh, after how does the shoe fit after midnight? Yeah, it, it it fits great. It fits like it didn't even matter what you're wearing because you're just letting it all hang out. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So you are letting it hang out. Got it. Mm-hmm. Neil, how does the shoe fit? Yes, in a similar vibe. I mean, I think every pair of shoes I've ever had is this song. I mean, they fit. I've had many pairs, but at the same <laughs> it time, it fits like a shoe closet. <laughs> no, it just fits like it's it's every shoe I I mean it's just part of my life. It's it's a great tune. I dig it. But I must say there's really no need for shoes after midnight, so oh, I like it. So I'm gonna go kinda go in that vein, but my girlfriend bought me a pair of those Uggs bedroom slippers for Christmas and they are so fucking comfortable. And this song fits like I get home from the bar, take my shoes off and slide into those comfy ass Ugg <laughs> slippers. That's how this song Oh, my goes. God. How old are you? You're like, after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Like, we're going to grill, then we're going to fucking put on Uggs, and we're going to call, we're going to call it a night. Like, Jesus that, Christ. That, I'm letting it all hang out with my mouth open as I mouth breathe myself. You're letting it all sleep. drool out. It's fucking like, mm, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Grandpa Simpson over <laughs> here. 
Abe, old Abe. Well, <laughs> oh, that's your the... new nickname is Abe. <laughs> Abe. What's up, Abe? Well, well, on that note, <laughs> we we are going to play a cover of J.J. Kale's After Midnight. <laughs> After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang out. After midnight, we gonna chug a lug and shout. We're gonna cause talk and suspicion, give an exhibition, find out what it is all about. Midnight, we gonna let it all hang out. After midnight, we're gonna shake your tambourine. After midnight, it's gonna be peaches and cream. Gonna cause talk and suspicion Give an exhibition And find out what it is all about After midnight We gonna let it all hang out Okay, the cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what we're doing over here, please subscribe and give us a good rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Jonathan's week. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about Just My Imagination by The Temptations. Damn, wait! <laughs>